You are listening to the Bondzilla Podcast. The Bondzilla Podcast is a bi-monthly analysis of two of cinema's longest-running franchises, James Bond and Godzilla. This week, James Bond deals with a writer's strike and goes after the Quantum Organization? I don't know. It's 2008's Quantum of Solace. James Bond. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our next edition of the Bondilla Podcast. Uh, the next w- issue, the next episode, <laughs> and the exciting next issue of the Bondzilla Podcast. Yeah, uh, stay tuned for right now. Stay tuned for right now. Yeah, don't, don't, don't change that dial. <laughs> yes, on that on that podcastometer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, don't just flip to another. Uh, people have already flipped over to the next podcast. I was about to make a really dumb comment about like. Can you imagine, like, you know, what did they, what would they call a podcast back then? But I guess that's just radio. Mm-hmm. So they've always had it. See, Nick, not, there's no new ideas anymore. It's all just like we reimaginations. All, we and, all just, yeah. time is a flat circle. Yeah. And it from just, that one show. it circles around. Like, there's not even like, when you think about it, like, we had TV shows back in the 50s. We did. And now we're just still making TV shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know but what we didn't have back in the 50s? Whiskey Cavalier. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, the game has just been changed mm-hmm. now. But you know what we didn't have in the 50s? James Bond movies. Well, I mean, we had the TV movie. Fuck. On a climax with an exclamation point. Damn it. So it's like, yeah, no. Well, you know what? Hollywood's dead. Let's, yeah, but no, let's no, quit this no podcast. Three, no theatrical Bond yeah. movie. No, nah, doesn't count, man. Like, you know. Well, no, I guess it doesn't count because it's on TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be like, you think like, if the next uh, Bond movie is on Netflix, People then would it's go, like, doesn't count? Well, that was almost... Uh, that was Spielberg's going to be like, well, not my James Bond. To be f- I wanted to put my James Bond wait, on the big wait, screen. Hold on. To be fair, when they were before it was Universal that is now the distributor of Bond, mm-hmm. uh, there were rumors that Amazon Studios was going to make a play for the Bond distribution rights. I thought they were going to make a play. Like, they're going to do, like, Bond That would musical. be cool, actually, if, if Amazon Studios made, like, a play, but then you had to, like, order would the you, play would off you of be, Prime. Would you be excited for the James Bond musical if they I made would one? 100%. I, that's, that's the quick, thing. All right, Listen, Nick, quick, quick pitch for a James Bond musical. Oh, um... Like, just, just broad strokes. Broad strokes. We basically... You know what it would be? It would be something where they, like, do, like, a mixture of, like, the different, like, like different films. Like, they would put in a bunch of different things famous from different movies. Right, right. But, yeah. like, make it one big story. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they would put, like, like, it would be, like, they would combine, like, the Connery films into, like, one kind of big musical. Kind of like what, like, it's stupid, but the Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark did, where mm-hmm. it was, like, Oh, let's just combine a bunch of these like famous Spider-Man stories and then like make something new out of it. That's what it exactly would be. Right. Like let's replace, let's replicate all these iconic Bond moments. Yeah. But in a stage, and then I, like, I the, would, the musical sequences would be like the action. I would go. I would go to. Oh, I, I that's. A, it. Hey, listen, I would write that a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm just imagining like the big, the big, uh, like a uh, final finale song, mm-hmm. and it's just like being like the James Bond to the James Bond theme. Yeah. Like I could see it. Either that or it's, it would be also be... See, this is a thing that would be like on a classic Simpsons, like the Planet of the Apes musical. Yes. It would just be... Yeah. Oh, my God. Did we say our names? I said I was Nick. You said you were Will. Oh, okay. All right. Well... That's all we need. That's all, that's all you guys... All right. Well, that's, that's it for this episode. you guys need to know. All right. So, 
we do have a Bond episode this time. Yes. But before we get into our next Craig movie, let's yes. talk about more news about the last Craig movie. Yeah. Or not, oh. not the last one as in Casino Royale, like or Spectre, which was the last one. The final one that's coming out oh, sometime yeah. next year. Yeah. Um, we do have some new casting rumors, rumors. And, and buzz now. Confirmed Again, as the, as any, if anybody knows how the news cycle goes with movies nowadays, especially for franchise films. I'm sure it goes along the lines of like confirmed to be rumored reportedly. Yeah, <laughs> essentially in talks. <laughs> yeah. So, but basically now again that this film is actually happening, that we need some actors to, yeah. to be in the movie. So, so first uh, on the docket, Sasha Baron Cohen. As possibly the new. Wait, am I? Am you're I in wrong? The, you're in the wrong reality. I'm a, oh, you're oh, the, in, oh you're, sorry. You're in the reality where a good Queen movie was made oh, and won a bunch of Oscars. No, but damn. in fact, none. Like, listen, yeah. I'm sure Rami Malek was great in Bohemian Rhapsody. Dude, he played that robot, Mr. Robot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yes, Rami Malek, fresh-faced Oscar winner. Even though I did not know he was like almost in his 40s, I thought he was a lot younger. Is he really in his? Yeah, 40s? he's like 37. What? Yeah. What's wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> like what's wrong like i think he has like some sort of like, i was like disease. oh like is he like a young oscar winner i looked him up he's like no he's like 37 right uh but he now rami malik is more so it's one of those things where he's more in the like he's in final talks to play the villain of this next bond movie uh and that's really all we know at this point because we don't have so i um I want to get your thoughts on this first because I think mine may be very, very intriguing and and like kind of telling about how I'm feeling about Bond going forwards. It's it will completely depend on the type of villain they put him in, but mm-hmm. it's it is an interesting kind of. It's not the first choice I would have thought mm-hmm. for a Bond villain, but that's kind of what makes it a little bit intriguing of just like what what direction are they going with this, you know? Especially right. because, like, we've kind of talked about this, and we're going to definitely talk about it over the course of these next, you know, today's movie and the next two Craig movies, is that the Craig films have been very continuity-heavy in a lot of respects. And, you know, it's very... Because I, I still feel that Spectre was a great way to kind of end that Bond's arc, but we're having this last movie. So I'm still very interested in what kind of direction they're going to be going Um with you know the character and and the franchise and i do feel like something like rami malik as a villain like it's just like it's I, it's one of the things where i have a hard time picturing like what it could be but i also that kind of makes me interested it's like well where are they going with it i think th- this is my thing when i heard that he was in the running i was like awesome love it because i'm all about like playing against type and like that's like the type of like, it's just like, I mean, he's been kind of like an avant-garde, like somewhat creepy dude in some of his roles, but mm-hmm. like, just there's just something about him like, all right, now he's going to play a villain in like a big franchise movie. Just, it, it tickled my what I like to see actors do. Yeah. That being said, then when I actually paused and thought about it, and I thought about, you know, that he's he's played you know mr robot and things like that and you i've know, seen other things by that the he's way been. can we be clear it was christian slater who played mr robot rami malik was just in the show called mr robot yeah so christian slater as a bond villain i'd be all in on no but but no i mean listen it's one of those things where i understand probably if you follow the plot that he's not actually mr robot but god damn it nick the show is called mr robot and his fucking weird eyes are everywhere on that show He's Mr. Robot. Yeah. As far as society is concerned. 
But my issue was, was that as soon as I was thinking about it more and I actually thought logically about it, I'm like, oh no, oh no. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm like kind of just like, no, putting my hands up on my face. If I get even one inclination that he comes onto the scene and he is either controlling a satellite or he's hacking or he's talking about how he's going to bring the world down using the internet, I'm out. I'm so tired of these Bond villains just being like using the scary internet and using all their 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 dastardly science to take down the world like oh my like cuz you know that there is a 75 to 90% chance that's what's happening Why? here. Why? Because he's played Mr. Robot? Yes! <laughs> because here's the thing. Because Barbara right. Broccoli was like, oh, I saw that Mr. Robot. You can hack, right? No, here's the thing. When you look at him, you're right. He's not physically imposing. He's a weird-looking dude. I'm, no, no offense, but that's, I'm sure, how he got the role of Mr. Robot. But I'm just saying, when you look at him and you've seen the trend of all these Bond movies... The odds are that he's going to be like a like a like a technological based yeah. like wunderkind of sorts. Here's a different It's like I uh, oh, I don't want it. <laughs> no. What if he plays the real Blofeld? Like the last Oh movie. god. <laughs> he's like, "Oh no, that Fuck it, like, let, let's just have it be that. He's the Mandarin too." Like <laughs> he's like oh, oh that guy who was that was your brother he was really your brother but he just took my name mm. you know because he was like he was he's the, the third brother he's the third <laughs> yeah he's goldfinger i think it could <laughs> i think they could be an interesting but i mean i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you where if they, they play they play the internet thing again yeah yeah if they at, if, if they play like the he because it's like it were, i mean again it's ahead of time it kind of worked in skyfall it was a little bit too much in Inspector. I mean, if they, it, my whole thing is if they play up the he's the weird nerdy psychological guy, and well, then Bond is like the man's man. I'm just oh god, yeah. like really, that's the because I could just see that's where they may go with it. Again, it all depends on what they do, yeah, but that's my feelings depends. about it. I mean, it depends on uh, what Fuganagua wants to do. Yeah, with who's script. the who's the Bond? Who's the reported Bond girl? Um, uh, blanking on the name. She was in Black Panther. Lupita Nyong'o? Yes, that's it. She's in talks for this? I didn't know this. Yeah, I thought you did know this. No, I did not. This is the first time I've heard this. Oh, yeah, no, because I, I, I did not want to say the wrong actress's name. Um, oh, hmm. I like that. That I like considerably. Yeah. Because Lupita Nyong'o is like one of those... She is one of those actors where it's like, I just don't think you're going to have her in... If, you, if she was in this... I just don't think you could have her in this movie and she not have authority and presence like in in the role that she's in. Yeah. Like I don't think you could get away with like not giving her that material. So the, the, I was just looking up the <gasps> She's Jinx. She's the new Jinx. Well, the the latest is uh-huh. is that Rami Malek is closer to the signing and Lupita is a little bit further away. Uh, it might have scheduling conflicts. That may, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm I'm very disappointed. I did forget it was Lupita Nyong'o. Though. Yeah, she's was, like she's amazing. But she's I, great. I, I do want to. I just want to. I caught. I was watching Black Panther. Listen, I already ar- already thought awesome. Danny Vanilla was directing the movie. I didn't yeah. want to also get all the actors wrong too. Yeah, you are aware that his name isn't actually Dennis Vanilla, I, right? Yes, I know. Yeah, okay. I, I just, just can't. I just want to make I, sure. I, listen, because I, I always call him Dennis Vanilla, but I just want to make sure you don't actually. I think can't that's pronounce his name. names anyway, so I'm just gonna call him Dennis Vanilla. See, <laughs> that's why I call him Dennis Vanilla. Uh, so this this week's film, the second 
movie in the Bond. In the Craig era. In the Craig era. Um, a movie that I had seen, but not seen uh, since it came Same out in thing. 2006. Is, of the movies, of the Bond, Craig movies, this is definitely, I had only seen this a couple times. I've seen it basically when it came out, and maybe when I first got the Blu-rays, I ran through all of them real quick. Imagine, Nick, I'm a kid in Philadelphia. I go to the movie theater mm-hmm. to see whatever movie is coming out. Yeah. Uh, and then I see a poster. You see right? a poster, right. And it's just Bond. With the machine on a on a on a horizon in a desert somewhere, holding a gun. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, that's the next James Bond movie, mm-hmm. and then that eventually. And you comes had out. no idea the writers were on strike. No, did not. But we're gonna find out all about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. So yes, we are talking about Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace from two thousand and eight. Oh, sorry, I was saying two thousand six. But I guess I would have seen that poster in two thousand six, right? Two thousand seven. <laughs> I stand correct. Because 2006 is when Casino Royale came out. I don't think you'd be seeing the next movie poster in 2006. That's true. Oh, I, I apologize. It was me, James. It was me, James. It was me. The hashtag, it was me, James. <laughs> Come on, guys. Get it trending. Come on, fans of the Bonsell podcast. It was spoiler, me, James. Spoiler for the quote in two Bond episodes. I did, listen, listen. I know you guys care about these episodes more than the Godzilla episodes, so the least you could do is get hashtag, it was me, James, trending. He's not lying. <laughs> hey! Go fuck yourself. No, I mean, I think I think more people should listen to Godzilla episodes. <laughs> uh, All right. Life. So my life is a sham. Should we get started? Yes. All right. So Quantum of Solace, where do we begin? Well, let's begin towards the end of, you know, the production of Casino Royale. Purvis and Wade are, again, you know, these Bond writers that keep being brought up uh, with, with Broccoli and uh, Wilson. And the initial discussions near the end of the Casino Royale production is like, well, we have, you know, a lot of unfinished business with Casino Royale, right? Like, we have this Bond that is now Bond in our eyes, but, you know, he's still going to be reeling over the death of Vesper. He's still, you know, we, we end the movie with that confrontation of Mr. White. We're, should we continue that? All that sort of fun mm-hmm. stuff. So, and it, remind me real quick, what in the success of the of Casino Royale, what, what was, what was oh, the success level? Oh, it was a uh, huge, huge success. Okay, all right. Just right, remember, it was, blanked uh, on so it for just a second. So, just blanked it. It yeah. was critically acclaimed, the highest grossing Bond movie up to that point. Craig was nominated for a BAFTA. Everything it was it was the the Bond franchise was uh, back on the rise, you know. Uh, even though it really hadn't you know been on a downfall, but there there was that sense of like, oh, the Bond franchise is back after right. like mm-hmm. die another day. Um, so they want to continue off that success. So the initial plans are an idea that's kind of concocted generally by Wilson, Purvis, and Wade that will continue on from Casino Royale, and that's going to be whatever this Bond movie turns out to be which is Bond 22. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, so the initial idea is to continue much of the, the ideas, the themes that were in Casino Royale to the point where the initial draft of the script, which is um, titled Sleep of the Dead. <laughs> you, you doing okay over there? Yeah, just that's that title. I was gonna say Shaun of the Dead, but no, <laughs> Sleep of the Dead. Okay, all right. Um, what wow, if, remember? What if, remember what when if, they everybody thought Edgar Wright was gonna do a Bond yeah, movie? Yes. There you go. All comes full, all circle. Comes full circle. I I, I connected uh, so the dots the, for the you. The Sleep of the Dead script would have featured uh, Eva Green returning as in flashbacks, uh oh, and also as a 
specter of Bond's past. In that she would literally appear like as a ghostly figure to him. Oh, so using you know, specter was just your own wordplay. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that would be awesome if specter was, was actually just making zombies. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, they do the Day of the Dead in... Uh... It was me, James. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's write a movie where um, Christoph Waltz actually does the... Ooh. Like, uh... He comes in in like one of the, like in a sheet like a ghost. Ooh, James. Like that's uh, his first introduction. And, and it just had... It's like a painted... It's like a pasted on like cardboard cutout of Eva Green's face on it too. <laughs> It was me, James. I betrayed you, James. Um, uh, and then there was also a part of the pitch in that script was that you, <laughs> Bond was going to discover that Eva Green actually had a kid. Uh, um, little Vesper. Not with Bond, right. but with another guy. Yeah. And that he would have to save the kid. From well, she was with another guy. Yeah. Yeah, that was the whole yeah. kind of thing but, at the end of the I mean, movie. I don't know if it was going to be the same other guy or a different other guy. Who yeah. knows? Um, but then Wilson eventually rejected that idea. It's like, well, well, Bond can't abandon the kid at the end of the movie. Like, you know, Bond would have to take care of that kid, and we can't have that baggage on our side. I love how they have no problem with him just, like, Rolodexing through women. But it's like, but he can't <laughs> abandon a child. <laughs> An orphan child. Yeah, like, that's, like, the one line we can't cross. <laughs> well, I should say, okay, so this was more like... He a- can kill so many people manhandle and use women to his heart's content but will be damned if he abandons the child yes and also uh, he can't you know he can't kill the kids yeah he can't abandon the kids definitely can't diddle the kids yeah oh no 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 no! can't do that can't, <laughs> can't, can't absolutely that. not but to be fair they they followed that rule all the way back with uh what's her name ddd <laughs> <laughs> What was her name? Yeah, uh, uh, sure. I'm just gonna go Dee-dee? with. That. I'm just gonna go with yeah. BB. Yeah, BB. BB. That's what it was. D D D. King D D D. Um. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, so I should say I didn't yeah. say it was a script. I meant to say it was more of an outline. This yeah, was yeah. kind of an outline, a plan, a pitch, and they were kind of going around this with the idea that this would be completed within the next year with 2007, that it would be back-to-back years of Bond, similar to what they had done, you know, with the early Connery films, Mm -hmm. similar to what they had done with, you know, kind of that golden eye, tomorrow never, you know, tomorrow never dies, like that really quick production. So that was the whole plan. So with this like idea outline kind of floating around, they start to look for directors Uh, and they have, they really involve Craig in the directorial choice uh, for this movie. So the first person that Craig chooses was actually a director he worked with before, Roger Mitchell. He had worked with Craig on a bunch of independent movies, uh, The Mother and Enduring Love being the two you know most mm-hmm. biggest ones that he did together. And you know, he just liked working with him, so he's like, I'll, I'll get you on board. But uh, Mitchell was on board for the project for a long time, but basically a script never materialized, and he's just like, well, I can't keep doing this right, you know, right, I can't, right. if we're, we're not going to make a script I'm, I'm out of here mm-hmm. so then uh craig's second choice was the eventual director of the movie mark forrester mm-hmm. uh craig was a very big fan of forrester's work specifically right. loved monsters ball um apparently and uh, really wanted to work did you do Ford. monsters ball Mark Forster, yes, oh, okay. yeah, oh, wow. okay. yes. Uh, also, Finding Neverland at this point. Yeah, yeah. That that was more so the one I was familiar. Eventually, with, yeah. would go on to do films like World War Z and Christopher Robin as mm-hmm. well. So he's had a very varied career. Yeah. Now, Forrester thought that he was a very it was very interesting that he was asked because 
he was not a Bond fan. Mm. He grew up in Germany, mm-hmm. and he just had no real connection with the Bond movies because he's also the first director of these movies to not be from what's known as the British Commonwealth. Basically, the first person to not be from Britain or British Columbia or New Zealand, which is all like you know territories that Britain owned and have Britain British culture and influence. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in German. He's German and Swiss. Just never had a connection with the movies. Never was interested in the movies. And he said he would have turned it down had he not decided. He decided to watch, sit down and watch Casino Royale, and he really liked it. He they liked what he liked what he did with the Bond character. Mm-hmm. And then he thought of a quote that's attributed to Orson Welles, uh, which when Orson Welles was asked, "What well, what is your one regret of your film career?" Welles appa- allegedly said that I never made a commercial movie, that I never made like a studio film, like a true studio. Really, film. that's a, that's a quote attributed to Orson Welles. Oh, yeah. Wow, interesting. Uh, so he said, well, if, if I'm going to go, you know, do like one of these big studio films. Which is so funny because like you would think like that's like that would be like a dirty word mm. or like a dirty like thought. I, yeah. yeah. Like, you know, well, I, I mean, that, but that's more just so from like, you know, from modern day. We like, are going to spoiler alert. We will see Orson Welles sometime in this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Are you? Are you going to bring Orson Welles back from the dead? No, we, oh. we will watch a movie that Orson Welles was in. Yeah, and then we'll do that for our eventual Transformers podcast. Yes, too. Well. <laughs> the, the Transformers Muppet podcast yeah. is happening. Uh, you know, for, just because I have to get it out there, his last his last role ever, uh, Orson Welles was the voice in the Transformers animated movie. Just say it. Just, just had say. to get it out there. Yeah, little, out little, there. little thought. Okay. Go ahead. Um. So Forrester decides, like, if I'm going to do it, let's let's go big. Let's go. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So you were about to say, let's go home, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> let's go big. Let's go home. <laughs> uh, so he, he gets on board yeah. and they basically throw out that sleep of the dead idea. Like mm-hmm. they throw out the, the Vesper connections and stuff like that. And they start developing a script that's a little bit, uh, still has references to Casino Royale, but it's a little bit more independent, a little bit more of its own story. Um, and this is kind of starting to be based around a Michael G. Wilson idea which he wants to kind of invoke kind of the themes of something like Chinatown. Like he, Wilson loves ch- the movie Chinatown and Chinatown, you know, it's all about like, who, you know, the water and like, what's, what's the, what's, what controls the world, what controls, right, right. you know, people getting in. So he kind of like is focusing like, well, what, let's kind of do that. There's like, they're trying to control something and mm-hmm. Bond has to kind of go and out and, and figure it out. Right. Um, so Purvis Wade work on the script again, Paul Haggis again, who did the rewrites on Casino Royale comes in um, eventually that 2007 release date is Sony and MGM are like, there's no way we're going to make that. We're not going to rush this movie in. So eventually it's first delayed to May of 2008. Um, and so this is around September now. So September, they start working on this new idea. Uh, and Paul Haggis does the first rewrite, which he finishes in the end of October. So like October 28th. On November first, the writer guilds go. The writers guild goes on strike. The infamous big strike. Yeah, this is this is the yeah. big strike that did that did that affected a lot of things. Yeah. like it was this. You know, people go on strike all the time. Yeah, but um, this was this was the one that like everybody talks about. Yeah, yeah. In terms like, of the film industry, and if you are a you fan know, of Lost. And, sorry. <laughs> no, wait. I mean, I'm also of the opinion that that writer strike secretly made Lost season four better. But mm, well, you know, well, that, that's, that's, that's time for another. That's the time for another podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so now they're basically a little bit of a rut mm-hmm. or a little bit of a, of a stuck in the mud hole, as as it were, because they have this script 
that's basically a first draft. I mean, like Purvis Wade did the first draft, and then Haggis did this first rewrite. So it's basically a first draft. And you know about first drafts, that they're usually not the best. Mm -hmm. You know, unless you're a very, very, very lucky person, your first, you know, you usually get to like three, four, five drafts before you get to that finished product. But now they're stuck with what's essentially a first draft, and they decide to have to keep working on it. Yeah. You know, they can't they can't just shoot the script. Yeah. They can't really delay the movie. Again, because of the writer's strike, because of kind of the, the chaos around it, the movie is delayed again to November of 2008. So we give a little bit more time. But the writer's strike, this writer's strike does last a, a mm-hmm. good oh, while. Yeah. yeah, it lasted a pretty long while. Uh, and so what they end up doing is the script is rewritten and kind of molded by Forster and Craig. Mm. So Craig and Forster are in the midst of this script. They're just shooting ideas back and forth. And it's at this point. So now the scoot. So this is like November. You know, they take a little bit of time to kind of get this into December. Um, and by the time January rolls around, it's like, well, we got to start shooting this. And at this point, they're just throwing ideas to the wall. It is like, we need to kind of fill up this script a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Craig is a little bit more like, let's keep doing this kind of realistic action. You know, he's kind of, pitching these different ideas about like a you know about chase and the you know a foot chase and all that sort of stuff and Forrester kind of is starting to go back to the idea of like well wh- why don't we make this more of a direct sequel to Casino Royale mm-hmm. like because again that that they had thrown that out at that point and now it's kind of getting back like well let's maybe let's do a little bit more with this secret organization what this secret organization is you know let's do a little bit more like with Bond not trusting people and kind of really more getting back to you know, the offshoot of what's, what, what is the fallout of Casino Royale. So, in essence, a lot of the stuff about Vesper and the revenge angle of the movie was added pretty much at the last minute, right before shooting. Mm-hmm. Which does kind of explain kind of how mm-hmm. mishmashed this movie is. Mm-hmm. And then Wilson and Broccoli also kind of get involved in terms of bringing ideas from unused, you know, unused ideas from other Bond movies and other Bond media. Uh, for example... The uh, the helicopter crash uh, sequence where like the helicopter gets attacked or mm-hmm. the plane that gets attacked and they do the free fall sequence was actually something that was storyboarded but not used for Goldeneye. Mm. So Barbara Broccoli mm. brought that back out. Wilson obviously has read all the Fleming books and so some of the stuff at the end of the movie with the final confrontation comes directly from the 007 story, 007 in New York. Uh, which is a classic title, right? Uh, but basically, and, and even some of the boat chase stuff was like little minor bits unused from uh, the t- the uh, world is not enough boat sequence, you know. So basically, it's kind of a hodgepodge of a whole bunch of different ideas. Right, but they right. do have to start shooting in February, right, right, right. And with that, we're gonna get to the casting of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, um, very interestingly, so Craig obviously returns. Emma um, also returns. Judy Dench. Uh, as M returns, mm-hmm. uh, Kinner, um, Roy Kinner is uh, Bill Tanner, mm-hmm. chief of staff, does return. Uh, uh, See, I didn't remember if he was in the last movie. He was in it, but briefly. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was basically like part of like M's just general team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then Jeffrey Wright Jeffrey comes Wright. back. So Jeffrey Wright does come back as Felix. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that is that, first of all, it's the first time ever that Felix has been played by the same person in two straight movies. Mm. He's the second person to play him twice in mm-hmm. terms of the Bond canon, but the first time that 
consecutive movies, Felix has been played by the same person. Mm-hmm. The other thing about the uh, Felix Leiter role that's very interesting is that within the initial script, the actual shooting script that they have in February, Leiter and Jeffrey Wright have a much bigger role. But as rewrites happen on the set, his mm. role just keeps mm. the, as as Forrester and Craig decide to focus more on Bond and on Bond, Bond and M specifically. The Felix Leiter role kind of keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. Um, but but he still makes his presence known in the movie. Um, but we do have some new players to like this game. David Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, apparently he's on Stranger Things. Is that the thing he's in? Yeah, that, that's like the big thing. Everybody loves him now. Yeah, he's Hellboy he, now. Yeah, David uh, Harbor. So he plays a jerk CIA agent. Yeah, he was too fat to play the blob, apparently. Was he? To him. Yeah, he always tells this story about how he went to go like audition for the blob, but like apparently they did not appreciate his physique at the time. But I, I was funny. We were watching. I was like, is that David Harbour? Yeah, <laughs> it was. So um, we have a new main Bond girl yeah. in this movie. It's uh, Olga Kurlenko mm-hmm. uh, as Camille Montez. Um, they really went, they wanted, Forrester wanted to go with the unknown, you know, actress type of thing, you know, because they were, you know, they, they kind of worked with David Green, who was coming up and coming, but he wanted to do the completely like, let's just audition you know, hundreds of people and, and see what the, what, what the, what the best is. Mm-hmm. And so they auditioned 400 women for the role, just kept like bringing people in from all around the world. Um, and eventually Forrester liked Olga just because he felt like she was the least nervous mm-hmm. of all the people that they auditioned, that she was the most confident in herself. And mm-hmm. she felt like that was really big for the role. Um, the development of the Olga or Orgo's role in, in the Camille character was very much like, Forster and Craig were like, well, since Craig, or since Bond is still getting over Vesper, this is not going to be like the sexual conquest type of deal. Like they're not really going to get together in that way. It's yeah. more like they wanted her to parallel and mirror Bond is that she's also out for revenge. It's interesting now that you mention that. I'm like, oh yeah, they. I guess they did do that in this yeah. movie. <laughs> so, um, but so that that so they gave her a revenge plot where yeah. you know, and, and this is part again. This is all stuff that's coming up from the Forster and Craig jam sessions right. essentially mm-hmm. is that she's kind of going out for revenge for a dictator or a rising dictator who killed her own family right. um she's from the ukraine she never really had seen the bond movies but thought this would be an interesting challenge for her so they gave her a dvd box set of mm-hmm. all of the bond movies this is 2008 of course mm-hmm. uh and she said that she was most afraid of doing the stunts mm. but she took great inspiration from michelle yell in tomorrow never dies mm. because she did all the stunts what I've learned about this podcast, everybody loves Michelle Yeoh. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody wants to do spinoffs with her. Everybody's inspired by her. So, uh, but she apparently had a great time. Uh, we also have our villain of the movie, uh, Matthew Almalric. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say it. That's fine. I don't care. As a dom- <laughs> I'm sorry. As Dominic Green. <laughs> Dominic Green. Right. Do you okay. know why he's called Dominic Green? Why they named him that, Will? I don't... I mean... I mean, when you first meet him, he's wearing a very bright white shirt. Yeah. Which is weird, because isn't there a character named Mr. White? Well, that's the reason, is that... (laughs) So, the the initial idea with, like, the people that would eventually become the quantum group would be that they all have names based on colors. Wait, is this why the next guy is called Silva? Because he used to be Silver, but it's like, well, we scrapped this idea... 
So now we just got to call him Silva. I'll have to do research for that. I don't think so. No, I'm, I'm, I'm bullshitting. Yeah. I'm but, but, yeah, but the idea was that Green, there was also going to be a Mr. Black character at one point, but then mm-hmm. he got basically cut from the movie. And then it like just cuts to that scene from Reservoir Dogs. It's like, why yeah. I got to be Mr. Pink? <laughs> so the, the actor, uh, Matthew, yeah. uh, took the role, as many people do, because he was like, well, I can't turn down a Bond movie. What am I going to tell my kids? Like, yeah. I could have been in a Bond movie, but I didn't. But the real reason he the real reason he did that is that he also was just in that movie, uh, The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. He was the paraplegic, mm. uh, you know, writer in that that journalist in that movie. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to do something completely opposite of that. He wanted to, like, do something very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he thought, like, well, this would be a good – this would be basically the exact opposite of what I did. And I just want to kind of do something. I want to, like, get out there and, like, you know, yeah. be crazy, you know, that sort of thing. Um, he begged Forster um, for physical deformity uh, in the movie. He was like – Oh, really? He, he first wanted to do makeup. And then he's like, listen, can I, like – can I be – can I have a beard? Can I be bald at least? Like, can I do something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Forster's like, no, because the, the whole idea about your character is that you're just the regular guy and that you're, that you're like, the hidden evil, you know? Like, mm-hmm. you seem like you're good. You seem like you're normal, but really – Really? Got, yeah. But people, people – Okay. <laughs> all right. Ooh, pe- all right. <laughs> uh, but people people did point out his, like, kind of bug eyes. Is like, well, that I mean, of- he looks like the weaseliest person. Like, it's like – honestly, like, what would – like, we need to find a weasel, but in human form. <laughs> like, that's what – I'm sorry, but, like, that's yeah. – okay. All right. Yeah. Like, honestly, like, it's like when they do this Dora movie, he's probably on the <laughs> short list to play Swiper is all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like, uh, I do got to mention real quick a couple last ones. Um, Gemma Arterton is the MI6 agent. Gemma Arterton. Gemma Arterton. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. See, this what is mean, whatever. This is why I. This is why I call him Danny Davila. Yeah. <laughs> I listen every time. I got to pronounce Japanese names, okay? Yeah. So screw you and pronounce Gemma's name uh, right. So she plays this MI6 agent. Yeah. Uh, Not an agent though. Or, or they, she, they make that very clear in oh, the yeah, movie. Well, sorry. Yeah. She's uh. She, an employee. She's an employee that's come to get Bond. Yeah, yeah. And so her name, as presented in the movie, yeah. is Miss Fields. Okay. Her full name in the script and the credits is Strawberry Fields. Okay. Uh, and it's her whole character was an homage to the classic Bond girl. They must have did that knowing that they weren't going to say the whole name. Though. Yes. That must have been like a fun, like, yeah. the character's name is Strawberry Fields. Yes. They're in a there's, just, there's no way, yeah. no way, third time I do this. No way I would I would buy that you would name a child strawberry. Yeah. Um Yes. <laughs> True. Uh-huh. Uh but basically her I guess the whole idea behind her character was that she was paying homage to like the sixties Bond girls like Tracy and, and Pussy Galore, mm-hmm. I guess somehow. What? You know, I know. That's what like all the interviews say and what I'm the, like What were they smoking when they made this movie? Like what, it, what? Um I do want to okay, so yeah, David Harbour. Uh, we also have uh, Joaquin Kozlo as General Madrano, who's this general who's basically being groomed to be this dictator to take over this country. Yeah, the, the secondary villain of the, the movie. The only reason I mention this is yeah. that apparently there was a long-standing rumor that has never been confirmed, but it's still interesting to mention. Mm-hmm. There's a long-standing rumor that one Al Pacino really wanted this part. Hua. Yeah, <laughs> because there was another rumor that was eventually debunked was that he was going to basically play a Blofeld stand-in in the end of the movie. Um, but apparently, like he was he was he was actually legitimately interested 
in in the general role, but yeah, obviously it's a, it didn't happen. Bond, James Bond. And the last thing I want to mention, the last thing I want to mention, okay, is that this movie does feature two cameos. Oh, by Alfonso Cuarón. Oh, really? And Guillermo del Toro. What? So explain yourself, sir. So uh, Alfonso Cuarón and del Toro are both good friends with Mark Forster, uh, and Cuarón plays a Bolivian helicopter pilot. Uh, in one scene, mm-hmm. and then Del Toro does a lot of vocal, like uh, over radio and like mm. vocal work for the movie. Oh, okay. Uh, but they both are, you know, uncredited. But they both confirm that they did do some work oh, for Casino awesome. Royale. Cool. Um, so then now again, it's February. They have this kind of script that Craig and and um, Forrester have just kind of mangled together. Uh, the writer strike does end in February, so at that point they bring in another writer. Um, that Forrester liked the spec script by. And this writer's job is basically like connect things during production and get ideas from actors. Mm-hmm. Forrester was very big and like let the actors kind of come up with ideas and like put them little things in the movie. Um, so I want to say this before you go on. I, you know how much, Nick, tell people how much I loved Christopher Robin. You love year. Christopher Robin. I, it was one of your favorite, like it was, you would put it in your top five. Movies. Oh, is, yeah, easily. Like I, effing love that movie last year and i want that to be known in case i say anything ill of mark forster in yeah. this in this podcast all right go ahead uh so with <laughs> filming the other thing about crazy this filming is that this what a dumb idea like i'm sorry i can't contain it what do you mean can you imagine being a screenwriter and you're like i finally get to be on this big bond movie and your one instruction is yeah just go to the actors see what they think <laughs> This movie is known as the having the most lo- on-set locations for any Bond movie. Because they film in the UK, they film in Panama, they film in Chile, Italy, Mexico, and Austria. So they're going all over the place. It has more days on location than any other Bond movie uh, ever. Uh, and so now it's not only that they're trying to get this script to, to kind of work, they're trying to kind of go from place to place and figure out exactly you know like how this is all going to work out. Right. Um, a couple of incidents do happen during filming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one happens in Panama City. They're going to be fi- shooting uh, where Bond gets arrested in the big elevator kind of punch-out sequence. Uh, but they get a call a couple hours before they're supposed to shoot that the um, the Panama City construction workers have gone on strike and have started rioting in the streets. <laughs> oh, my God. So everybody stay in their hotel rooms. So they've done that. And then they're watching the news, and the news is saying, like, oh, this is live. But then they quickly realize that it's just a loop, and they look outside, and the riots have just ended. So they can they can do it as, as normal. Dude, they were looped? <laughs> they like, were, speed? Yes. What? They were looped. <laughs> um, another incident that happens is in uh, Chile. Yeah. They're using Chile as uh, Bolivia. Mm-hmm. And they're filming in this town, and they got permission from, like, the general Chilean government, you know, as you do, to, like, hey, we're going to film here. In the city, you know, everything's going to be cool, right? Everything's, like, great. Uh, one person that was not cool with it was the mayor of this town. Right. The mayor of this town was pissed for three reasons. One, he felt that they should have gotten permission from him personally oh. to film in the town. Wow. Two, he was upset that they were using – they weren't using Chile as Chile. They were using Chile as Bolivia, especially because yeah. Chile and Bolivia have had some tensions over the years. And three, he felt that it was it was just being like the city. He felt like for some reason the city was being you know manhandled, and that like they were like you know police in the streets, and they yeah. were like manhandling the citizens. So what does this mayor of this Chilean town do? He drives onto the set, 
crashes the production and hits a policeman. What? And the mayor of this town got arrested for this incident. What? And put on trial for trying to disrupt this Bond movie. I'm imagining a, a, like, a Jeffrey Tambor-type character. Yeah. Like... Being like, no, we, I must take control of being the mayor. <laughs> like you can see it, can't yes. you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there's there's that thing that that happens. Uh huh. Um, but those those are two kind of little weird incidences that happened in the movie. Sure. Um, in terms of filming, again, like the stunt work, you know, Craig says that um, Casino Royale was a walk in the park compared to filming Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Uh, in terms of he got he did a lot more physical action in this movie. He got injured three times. He uh, cut his face open at Ooh. one point. Uh, he lost the tip of his finger at one point uh, during the production. Now and he was just, now he was just beat up. Craig overall did not have a great time with this movie. Yeah. Because not only was he beat up, he hated writing this movie. Yeah. Like, he... He said that like this movie just was like I will never do another movie without a script like ever. Seems like a reasonable request. Like he he was very much like I'm not a writer. I don't know why I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. You know, like in the Craig way. So wait, but was he like? Because the way you made it seem was like it's like yeah, him and Forrester they're going no, that, to that, that, take reins of the movie. They, they did take reins of the movie, but I do what what I so kind of is it more like he's just like oh shit, this was a bad decision on yes, my part. Yes. Oh, okay. I see. As the, as it goes on, he's just like he's like I'm not a writer. Like I I want to be involved in this character, but this is just this is not who I am. Right. Like I feel I I feel like Craig, especially because. He got, you know, he, you know, Barbara and, and Wilson went to him for some directorial, like, who do, who would you like to direct? You know, like, they, they're sure, really sure, into sure. him. Mm-hmm. I think he felt like there was a little bit, not pressure, but a little bit of like on him that's like, well, I should, I should help out. I should take control. And I just mm-hmm. think that he regretted that decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of filming, though, I mean, the stunt work mostly, you know, goes well. Um, the big one is that they do that free fall, right? Right. And, and Craig does not want to do it on a traditional green screen. He just doesn't feel like that's going to be the way to do it. You know, he likes to be real. Uh, but they also don't want to do like him in the, 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 you know, actually skydiving because there's only so much you can do and they've done that so many times right. and they know the, the risks of it, especially with this type of production where they're still trying to figure out a lot of the things they're doing. So what they got to coming with is they have to doing like a giant wind tunnel. There's this wind tunnel that they build, uh, in Bolivia mm-hmm. that's like a giant wind tunnel where they can kind of do that and, uh. Well, it's great for the actors. It's actually a very much a challenge for the visual effects people. And a lot of people within the industry credit how well they were able to they had to change lighting on this thing mm, so that they could okay, they could see, put yeah. in the backgrounds and stuff like that. So yeah. um there's all that. It's a shame cuz free fall. Well, I'll talk about it in the movie. Yeah. yeah. But uh but again, it was just like there's a movie where a lot of it was just changed on the fly. For mm. example, one another example is that this is great. Is that the the original that original script that that was just you know given to them? The ending of the movie was in the Swiss Alps, mm-hmm. um, but Forrester wanted to locate it to the desert mm-hmm. for the reason that. Do we want to talk about this in the movie? The, I, I'm going to say this real quick, okay? Because there's right. also again Forrester. I wanted you to get in Forrester's head, yeah, because he he saves it for the end of the movie because he wants this movie to represent the four elements. He <laughs> wants it to be earth, wind, water, and fire. See, you see why I had to say that. Everybody lost their mind on yeah. this movie, yeah. um, and there was even things where it's like there was originally a you know 
Bond was originally supposed to go into this quantum what a mess. What a mess this sounds like. The last thing I'll mention, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is all a mess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the last thing I'll mention is like quantum. You know, there was he was supposed to like infiltrate this like UN type of meeting, but it was he was eventually to find out it was quantum. Yeah. Which again, the whole quantum thing is something we'll talk about. But it's you know, it's either here or there, and you can kind of tell why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then Forrester and Craig heard that there was this. Uh, Italian opera company mm-hmm. that was like that put on these crazy operas in this outdoor amphitheater and they liked the one that they did like they they saw one um or they like heard of one before and they thought it was like just giant like you know this giant triangle that they did it was really great and then they heard that this opera was going to have this giant eye in the production and they're like well why don't we just do it there because it's going to be more interesting so they just completely like we're like hey can we do this can we film at this opera and the opera's like yeah please come on in <laughs> but it was just like it was just like decisions like that it's just like spur of the moment a lot of it was on the fly a lot of it was just like well let's like again a lot of it was we have this general base idea but okay let's put back in a lot of these revenge elements let's put in you know this new fire-based ending let's put in this opera it was just kind of like that right and right. they were just kind of trying to string things along yeah uh but eventually they finish it uh, and uh, it's ready for release in uh, November of, of 2008. Right. Um, cool. So uh, I guess this is when we talk about the movie. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll, we'll just like talk about it right on the fly. I, I don't listen. I didn't even write any notes. Yeah. Because I wanted to be like much Mark- like this movie. I wanted to channel Mark Forster <laughs> yeah, for on, this movie. Yeah. Forster and Craig. Yeah. On the fly. Have you ever killed someone? The training will tell you that when the adrenaline kicks in, you should compensate. But part of you is not going to believe the training because this kill is personal. Take a deep breath. You only need one shot. Make it count. And we're back to talk about this movie, Quantum of Solace. So... I should mention too, real quick, is that Quantum of Solace is actually a Fleming novel title or a short story title. Mm-hmm. So this is another Fleming title. Mm-hmm. It's the last, uh, as of now, as of this recording, the last Fleming title they've used. Okay. So I want to do bri- one thing before we talk about the movie. One mm-hmm. thing briefly is that there are now four Fleming titles that have never been used for a Bond movie, and that is Property of a Lady, The Hildebrand Rarity, Risico, and the aforementioned 007 in New York. Now, I want to ask you, which of those four titles? They're all terrible. They're all terrible. But yeah. which of those ones would you most want to see as a title oh, of a Bond movie? Uh, oh, God, no. Ooh. My head says probably Ristico because you could probably play that in a number of ways. Yeah, I mean, that seems like the most realistic option. And it's just like, those. it's just a title. My and it's heart, also weird enough, too. My heart says that I want a movie called 007 in New York. No. Just for... No. Just for the weirdness of it, I Risico, I can see like somebody being like, "Well, Ragnarok was a title for one of those Marvel movies, so uh, we could do Risico." Yeah, but we are talking about a movie that did get made. Yeah, that did get titled Quantum of Solace. Nick, Quantum of Solace, uh, the movie that answers: Can you do a chase scene on every major form of vehicle transportation? Mm-hmm. And the answer is yes. Yeah. So here's the thing about Quantum of Solace. Like I said, I hadn't seen. It in theater since, and it is the movie that it gets a bad rap. It is often considered the worst of the Craig movies, and I'm actually here to say that yeah, that's 100% correct. But <laughs> uh, I didn't hate it. it. Like it's it's definitely 
It's definitely it's not terrible. It's not a it's it, when you watch it, it's not a complete shit show. No, like, it's, no, it's not. It, yeah. It's not. It's not die another day. It's you know. It's not octopusy. It's not view to a kill. It's not like a complete like what the heck is this? I would say this. I don't think you really realize how directionless it is until maybe the third act. That is the thing about this movie, and I did mention it to you a little bit about, and and I will discuss it over the course of the film. But this is this is definitely a movie that lacks direction and lacks distinct stakes because you're you're you are in the middle of this movie and it is and like there is entertaining moments. Craig does get still play a little bit light, you know. Some of the action sequences are interesting. Yeah. But there's a, there's a point where you're like, well, what are we really getting at? Like, what are, who are we facing? What are we what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, because again, for all of its faults. What Casino Royale does is that it does try to double down on personal stakes, especially by the end of that movie. Whether it succeeds or not is up to you, but it, it at least tries to give you like something that the well, characters I mean, are fighting for. Well, I mean, like, but I will give it its credit. I mean, it is a much more fleshed out movie. Oh, no, hundred percent. General, and just yeah. in general. But the thing is, is that there's you know you don't feel the personal stakes. You know, when with with, with these grounded reality movies, you don't really have these big world stakes because yeah. it's all kind of this shadow behind. We the did. Stuff. We actually discussed this during the movie. Is that when you want to be grounded, it makes it way harder to be like. Like, there's these big world stakes, which some people would praise it for. Yeah. But it's also like we're talking about a Bond movie, yeah. too. So it's like, it's it's a little like, it's like when you have Captain America and you the world is a superhero world, it's a little bit easier for him right. to be like, yeah, well, that the the jets are the, the giant jets are going to shoot everybody on the planet. But I, but I would also say to that extent, if even if you go back to previous Bond movies that had like lower stakes, stuff like From Rush with Love or. For your eyes only, where it's not necessarily like, oh, this is going to end the world, but like, oh, if this, you know, it's like if the Russians get the ATAC system, well, they can they can track our submarines. That's a thing. Yeah. Where, but that's a thing where it's small, but you still get that sense of like, this is this is like, especially over the course of that movie. I think part of the problem is I think where they end up going is kind of interesting, but it's so late and so it doesn't it doesn't present itself yeah. as a big deal that you don't feel it yeah Whereas, like, I mean, even even though even like with the atac or or the uh lector decoder device you you get that sense of like even if it's not like the end of the world is going to happen watch yourself right mm. just got wires right oh. here yeah uh the even if you're so even with like stuff like the atac and with the lector code device from those movies you get that sense of like even if the end of the world's got to happen, the characters treat those as a big enough deal throughout the movie well, that you feel it. Well, and it's but you- there's because there's bigger there's bigger worldwide ramifications for if the villain succeeds. Yeah. And I will say like this movie does have an interesting angle on that without it being like I control the internet, yeah, which is like the go to for how most like in the next honestly two movies are like that. But that's like the easy one to do, yeah. and I and I did think like this one. Um, the, but the overall thing I will say about it though is that I will say for a on the fly production, it is pretty impressive how much of the set pieces, how much of the the visceral nature of all the set pieces there were Mm -hmm. because I'm not one to be amazed. Like it's like, Oh, it's actually like Daniel Craig getting punched. Like I get it. It's impressive. And I don't, and I I don't uh, disparage that at all because it's amazing stunt work. But I will say like in this movie, I'm like, Oh fuck, that's Daniel Craig getting punched and like getting thrown through like a door or something. And the fact that 
they were able to essentially make set piece the movie, which is to ultimately to its detriment. It is impressive that for a movie where they did have have to do it all on yeah. the fly, that it's it's all like pretty well done. Listen, like I think we also described it well during the movie in that there are things that are impressive about this movie. There are things that work and there are interesting ideas. But yeah. at the end of the day, Quantum of Solace is a movie that you can tell was made during a writer's strike. 100%. You can just tell. It's just, it has that same sort of issue that something like Tomorrow Never Dies ends up having at the end of the day, where it's just because you're shooting it on the fly, nothing really gets fleshed out. Yeah. You don't really get a chance to marinate, especially with the way that this movie gets edited, which is, you know, a whole other discussion. But you never really get a chance to marinate. Oh, number one scene that is indicative of what this movie is. Mm-hmm. Is that for the first time in in like the entire movie, and they've been kind of building it up until this point, is that Felix Leiter and Bond finally meet face to face. Yeah. Before that scene can even get started, it's over. Yes. And that's essentially this movie. Mm -hmm. Like there's a few other kind of like nice dialogue scenes, but like that's like the big like you think they're going to like kind of catch you up and they kind of do, but it was it's it's really like they just meet up and they share a few lines of this is what's yeah. going on and then he's like you better get out of here james and then like the the, the fucking chase starts yes and that's kind of that's this kind movie. Of whole movie yeah yeah it's very well, it is the shortest bond uh, yeah. eon production i you know what i had this thought that it did not feel too long yeah i didn't at least i didn't feel Here's like it I, I felt like when it was over i'm like oh okay cool it's, it's over the, it's the shortest even e- though it just t- kind of just ends yeah it is the shortest eon bond production yeah at an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. Which is the shortest Bond movie. It, it, it doesn't even feel that long. No, it doesn't. I'm going to be long. honest. Um, movie's about... It, it's um, so it's right after Casino Royale. Yeah. So Bond... At the beginning of the movie, the, oh, the opening... The uh, cold open is Bond being chased in his Ashton Martin, you know, general car chase. And then he you discover that he's captured Mr. White... Um, from the last movie, from yeah. the end of the last movie, and uh, he has him in his trunk, and he's going to bring him to interrogation. Yeah. Oh, uh, so, but I was just going to say what the movie was about. So it's like they they capture Mr. White, they interrogate him, that goes south because he pulls a, like, we, I, it's like we have friends everywhere. I got to get this out of the way in this movie, and I think we, we might as well, because we've just talked about these movies so much. Why bury the lead? This movie... It's so strange because they clearly are setting up Spectre. It's so they they are clearly just setting up the evil organization of Spectre, but they can't call it Spectre because of like rights reasons. Yes. So they ultimately settle on Quantum, but the weird thing is is that at no point in this movie do they give you any like do they settle on any information of what quantum is? So it's just a series of people being like, we're everywhere or, you know who I work for. Or it's like the people we're at, like, you know, just stuff the pe- like that. The people, the- they will come for you. Yeah. It's like, it's like if you, if you take me down, the rest of us will come for you. Like it's all that. And I actually only think that quantum is maybe mentioned a handful of times. And I- it's always around like, what is that? Yeah. Well, the thing, you know, it's it very much like what's funny about this, and again, this is getting into some of the future stuff, but it's hard to like, it's whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's like, because in, in Spectre, it's eventually revealed that Quantum is a whole, like a smaller organization within Spectre. Hashtag it was him, James. It was him, James. It was me, James. Or it was me, James. Yeah. Yes. Hashtag it was me, James. 
But the way that it's presented in this movie, you could have easily just not named it at all, yeah, and then waited until you got the Spectre rights. Well, there because, is like because that would have made things so much easier. Because really, when you watch this movie, there is no sense that Quantum is a big deal. Like it is like they kind of do the thing at the beginning of the movie, and then they do the thing at the end where it's like, like who's in who's in charge of Quantum? He's like, I will never tell. I've told you everything I know about Quantum, and it's like. But there's really not that sense of like, oh, this is going to be the new big player. It's just like it's there. Yeah, it's just, it happens. He could have easily just been like a terrorist, like yeah, Mister, like a like Green could have just been a terrorist. But there's there's easily a reality or an alternate version of this movie that it ends in a Batman Begins type way where he gives him like the ring or something and it has the octopus on it yeah and then that's the tease for the next movie which they could have done like and you're right they did not have to mention the name of it they could have just said like this is organization (laughs) but also it's like but that's still unsatisfying like if you don't have the rights to it yeah but there is the thing is is that there's also that kind of element that that they still keep that thread dangling in the movie that you kind of feel you wanted more of a conclusion to it if that makes sense uh 100%. 100%. Yeah. And you know the reason is? Because they tease that in the last movie. Yeah. They already tease that here's this guy that works for a mysterious third party. Yeah. And the thing is, like, and you're right, this movie doesn't even double down on that. It just kind of reminds you that that's, like, it's part of this world all the time. So. I will give them credit that they do kind of make fun of that at one point. Like, M kind of has a... By the way, Judy Dench is, is still awesome mm-hmm. as M. Um, but they do have that joke about, like, she when he's like, we have people everywhere. And then, like, M's bodyguard turns on her. Yeah, like, that, that's he, the person that's like, yeah. like, it's like we, have, we have people everywhere, right, right, guy? And then he's like, just shoots everybody. Right, and then it's M has a line later. It's like, well, usually when people say that, it's usually hyperbole. It's like, it's not like they're literally everywhere. Like, florists say that. <laughs> yeah, like, we don't, I, I thought know. that was funny. Yeah. That, that's the thing. This movie had a, a few moments like Again, that it, that it was, like, There are a few moments in this movie that shows if Craig could play to the comedy more, I think he would be more like a well-rounded Bond. I, like, I, I, I 100% like it's, agree. It's really sad. Because he even had a funny moment in that scene, and yeah. it was, like, very charming. Yeah. It's 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 just sad when you watch these movies, and you think about how much it's, like, we have to be serious and right. real and, like, grounded. Because, like, Craig could be that kind of light bond at some point. And, yeah. he, and when he gets a chance to show that in all four of his so far movies, you know, he succeeds in it. <laughs> um, are we to believe that Mr. White got killed in that scene? No. Okay, or he escapes. He escapes because we see him at the opera. Got it. Okay, right, right, right. I, I just kind of I I, uh, I had a brain fart on that because he's in Spectre. Yes. Spoilers. Like yes. he's in Spectre. He's in Spectre. Um. Yeah. So no, he's he's at the opera. So basically, and you'll have to enlighten me on this. It kind of leads into this situation where they're like, I guess, like, well, what organization is this guy part of? Yeah. And it kind of just leads into them chasing after this one guy yeah no i guess because they're going after this one guy because like they this know, is the lead that right. they have well because also because bond keeps killing everybody yeah i will say this that is actually an interesting kind of story aspect of this movie is like they go after him for the for the reason of like well he's part he must be part of he has this connection to what we were doing last time yeah and then over the course 
Bond finds out about what his Bond villain plan is. Yeah. So it's not like because usually these movies are like Mr. Green is up to something, and mm-hmm. even sometimes they'd be like, yeah, he's he's after oil. Yeah. Like they would lead with that. Yeah. But it, over the course of this movie, it's more of just like Bond kind of gets just wrapped up into this yeah. villain plot. Because because it's just it, it is a movie that again is a bunch of just happenstances where like Bond. You know, goes after this one guy, kills the one guy, but then like finds out he's supposed to meet this person, right. and then like the person, that person they were supposed to meet was supposed to get killed, yeah. And then like, who is she working for? She's working for this guy, yeah. You know, and then oh, is he connected to Quantum because this guy was connected to Quantum? So yeah. it's just kind of like this and that and the other thing lead to okay, mm. well, we gotta. Well, I I think the easiest thing for me in this movie is I I can I just couldn't really because. I really, it's really not me trying to be funny where it's just set piece the movie. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, oh, like, we're at another set piece. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like, oh, now he's at the opera, and a few lines happen, and it's like, oh, now we're at another. Like, it, it yeah. really is just that. So, what's easiest for me is just pointing out notable aspects of the movie. Yeah, it's 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 a movie that's not, it, especially, again, from the on flight, it's not easy to talk about just, like, piece by piece by piece, in terms of an order. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. it just, it really does just kind of go... Okay, it's another set piece. Yeah, small time getting to the next set piece, and then here's another set. It's yeah. like there's there's not. That's another thing about this movie is that when you watch it, it ha- it does kind of have a little bit of a flow. Like it does like kind of track. But when sure. you when you think about it, when you reflect on it, when you talk about it, it doesn't really have a flow. Like it's it's kind of weird. No, you don't you, because the movie is to its credit propulsive and dense enough in its action. That you really don't realize it up until the third act. And in the third act, it becomes a problem because there's some other weird elements of it. But the overall element is like, well, wait a minute. Why is Bond fighting this guy? Yeah. And like, how does this connect to anything that happened in the last? Like, and again, that- because the, because that's the thing. This movie clearly sets up that this is a direct continuation. Yeah. So then over the course, you're just like. Well, well, how? Like, what? What does this have to do? Yeah. And then it gets to a problem because then when it gets to the end of the movie, and then he's confronting that's Vesper's boyfriend, right? At the very end, yeah. yeah. He because that's another thing is it opens up with them thinking or them supposedly they have information that Vesper's boyfriend got killed, yeah. and then it turns out that right. he, he wasn't. Because and- again, this is kind of for the end of the movie, but this is kind of. You know, a big part of a big reveal in the movie is that if you remember back to Casino Royale, that the reason that Vesper turned on MI6, turned on Bond and and went to this, you know, you know, gave the money to Mr. White. Yes. Was because her boyfriend had been captured by this organization. Right. And was that, you know, demanded it. Now, in this movie, it is revealed that the boyfriend was actually working for Quantum and that this is his thing. He seduces um, agents. He then makes them care for him. Yeah. He gets captured, and then they're like, oh, well, I'll give you the information I need, yeah. or I'll, I'll give you this thing. I'll do this thing for you. And that works like gangbusters when you have all that and the character doesn't show up until the end In of the, the movie. movie. Yeah. That's because sarcasm, like the, folks. That's sarcasm. It doesn't work. It doesn't work, even though I really like that individual scene. <laughs> yes, I agree. I, and there's a bunch of stuff like that in this movie. This individual scene, that end of the movie, because that's also that's one of the things I said directly comes from 007 in New York, uh, is that it, that's a similar plot line that happens in that story. Mm-hmm. And it works kind of especially from like that Fleming perspective, but it just works within the character of Bond. It just it's When you watch that scene by itself, it seems like it comes from a much better movie to an extent. And then when you put it all together, it's like, oh, this really didn't come up at all, you know. And it's not. No, again, we're not not kidding. 
That final scene at the end of the movie, this is the last like two scenes of the movie. That's where that character is introduced. Mm-hmm. Like you have not seen that character in the and movie up really until then. Not hinted at. And honestly, like even anything involving that character has not been brought up for like at least thirty minutes. Because even you have this thing where Bond's like, like to prove that, like the the girl, the Canadian, the Canadian uh, agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, oh, like. Uh, that's a nice necklace. I have one like it. It's not like he was carrying Vesper's necklace like throughout the entire movie. It's not like something he was like holding. It was sure. just like, oh, I have this necklace now. I'm gonna throw it in the snow. I've given up on Vesper now. Yeah, it's just it's just like it's just. Well, okay, so that leads to a couple elements that I thought were fascinating about the movie. Yeah. So there's a moment in this movie where um the the guy from the last movie, Mr. White. No, 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 no. The his. His, oh, Rat Mathis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who, the, the the ally that Bond thought originally turned on him. Yeah. And then and then like was probably shady, but yeah. not a bad guy. Because like, it's even one of those. said that like they say in this movie that he was acquitted. Yeah. And then MI six gave him like this villa. <laughs> Which I did joke about because there is a moment when the woman he's with, they're having a conversation in Spanish or Portuguese or something. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, guys. I I just don't know exactly what yeah. language it was, but it was it's one of those. Um, but and they're talking, and I've just never seen an exposition dump done through two characters talking in a different language, right? Cause <laughs> because through that, it's all in subtitles. It's like, well, you know, you know, you were acquitted, and then this is what happened, and they gave you this villa. Like, it's yeah. like it was just and, really and then, funny. And then she eventually later in the scene, she's like, you know, you should be thanking him. If she wouldn't have turned you in, yeah. you wouldn't have gotten this villa. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, go sunbathe. Yeah, do that. Um, but. So there's an interesting element where he gets involved in in the in the plot of, mm-hmm. of the movie and uh, he gets killed. Yes, and they have this conversation where Bond is clearly a little bit bummed out about it, yeah. and they have this moment where he's like, "Listen, I w- I probably was a shady guy, and I apologize for anything and for 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 that for making you think this or whatever." Yeah. And Bond has that moment where he's genuinely like, "You know what? I forgive you." And there's another line I forget, but what I liked about it was that was a nugget of an idea that's like, that is the perfect sequel to this movie. Right. Where if you make it all about forgiveness on Bond's part, because if you remember at the end of, like, the end is the famous, the the bitch is dead. Like, it's like, it's like, screw her. It's like, I'm not going to, like, I don't trust anybody from now on. Yeah. And this movie opens up. Very kind of like on the nose and not well done, but it like it opens up with the like is your mind on on track or it's like are you are you with us, Bond? Like are you, yeah. are, you are you getting distracted or, or are you motivated by revenge? And I do think that the perfect sequel to that is him learning forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, like that scene that I just surmised right now is is it? That's yeah. as much as they do right. in the movie because because you can tell they want to do like oh Bond starts trusting people again. Like there's there's those bits and elements throughout the movie that 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 happens. It's just like it's not, again it's never really on the forefront. It's just like this moment happens. Bond trusts this person now. You know, right. Or Bond forgives this person, or you know he he lets go of Vesper, but it, there's never really a tracking to that. It yeah. never really is. There's no arc. No, I'm just saying it's a very it, it, that was like the f- first time in this movie. I'm like, oh, we're getting somewhere story wise. Yeah, but then it, it like drops it. Uh, the second thing I liked quite a bit actually, which is going to sound weird, was uh, the Gemma Arterton death. 
Uh, because so basically she gets gold fingered in oil. Yes, which um, was intentional. It yeah. was a direct homage. Because I we should say the whole time it is implied that Green is after the oil supply of like uh, of Bolivia. Uh, Bolivia. Yeah. Um. So, so cause, she gets because because yeah. uh Green's plan uh, Green's quote unquote plan yeah. is that he's gonna instill this dictator into the Bolivian government mm-hmm. like he's gonna stage a coup. Yeah instill this dictator and he wants this one piece of land he wants this like i i need this land this is the only thing i ask for yeah and, and they so, don't say what it is but it's heavily implied at that least at the time that everybody it's oil. so everybody thinks it's oil because because the dictator guy's like there's nothing there green's making a deal with the american the cia that basically like okay we're gonna give you like so much percent of the oil that we get here and so you're every and then even in when they do the quantum meeting when bond's listening in, he said you just hear this is the most important natural resource. So everybody's like, oil, oil, oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And the twist, do you want to talk about the twist about well, it? Well, no, because I, I, I want to talk about the Gemma Arterton thing uh, first. Yeah. yeah, so so she gets oiled, like, like because she is, and her character is, she is basically just, she's she's got a desk job at MI6, and her job is literally just to go there and be like, you need to come back. Like, yeah. it, it, I'm going to be your escort to come back. And yeah. then, of course, Bond in his Bond ways, yeah, sleeps so, with her, gets her to go to the party with him, so, and so she, she gets a little cheeky and like helps out trips like the villain as so she's like going. She with trips Bond. the villain's henchman. Yeah, that, um, but so so she gets killed. But the one thing I did, I genuinely liked about this scene was that I thought for the first time ever that they truly in one scene sold the cost of Bond's actions, mm-hmm. and I thought that. Craig played it very well. Yeah, I do like that moment because because that's when Bond gets arrested. He beats up all the he, he Captain America's everybody in the elevator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then he walks out and like M's like, what the hell? Like you got away. And then he basically like she died a hero. Yeah. You know, don't. But don't even before talk. that, but, but like, I just yeah. but I think that whole scene tracks. I do agree with you. Yeah. Um, but the thing for me was like I just felt like between the tone and the direction of the scene and Craig's uh, acting mm-hmm. of it that. I thought that they really sold for the first time that like like listen like this is this is what happens when you just snare people into your web like now you're just getting people killed like, and you can tell that like he was like oh shit like mm-hmm. I didn't want this well, because it, it cuz they kind of it, and I thought that was a little bit more powerful given the whole like where he was at like at the end of that last movie where yeah. he's like I don't trust anybody because when you can actually compare it to Casino Royale, it's not as played that way. Mm-hmm. When he got somebody killed, technically, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just kind of yeah. like, God damn it, James. But like this time, mm-hmm. I actually felt like, oh, like they were really what? Can you still? Hear? Yeah, okay, yeah. Right. I just I didn't know if you could hear me. I couldn't hear myself. Oh, could you not hear yourself? Yeah. Oh, I think I hear. Can you hear yourself now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just scared that we weren't getting all all my great points. Yeah. <laughs> behind the scenes folks um but yeah so that i really liked i i did like that scene and that mm-hmm. element i thought for the first time especially because and then they and then they even bring up it's like it's like like you you were in your james bond charm yeah like and you're all like this and is what wa- happens when you don't when she you- wasn't even an asian she was just like yeah she worked in an so i i like that bit about I, it i do agree yeah. mm-hmm. uh, i do think the it's funny because I, I i i haven't brought this up yet but but forrester wanted to do the goldfinger thing specifically because he's like he wanted the people to know that oil is the new gold. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind. I don't mind it. 
It's fine. Um, and so going back to the other bit you were talking about, yes, and the one, uh, and I did, I actually thought this was a good story point. Is like yeah, to, this, this is one actually my, my favorite little bits of the movie. Yeah, honestly. so they, you know, we went through the whole thing about how they imply it's oil, and then, like, I, there's really no, like, clever way of at least getting into it conversation-wise. They reveal that he's he's really after the oil supply. No, no, no. Not, no, sorry, sorry. The water supply. The water supply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, we I thought we up. was after oil. <laughs> really, he was after oil. No. So basically, yes. So he's basically. That's a good like Austin Powers joke. Yes. You thought I was after oil, Mister Powers, but I'm actually after the oil. <laughs> the oil under the oil. <laughs> uh, uh, but but yeah, yeah, no, he's after the water. He's supply. after the water supply. Yeah. Which is again, I thought was a very interesting little twist. Yeah. Now again. I do feel like the idea is solid. Yeah. The execution, it still doesn't feel like it's a big deal, right? Because he's just basically like, oh, I'm going to up your utilities. Yeah, I'm going yeah, yeah. to make a little more money. And even if it was like, oh, we're going to make more money, so we're funding this other thing, it really was more so like, if even if you did the thing where it's like, we control the water, this is your, you know, this is the thing you need. If you don't do these things that we need you to do, right. we're, gonna, we're just going to cut it off. More so than like, oh, we're going to make like, just double up your utility bill. Yeah. You know, it's just, well, it's weird. Is like, but it just they, feels like, it makes him feel like a weird landlord as opposed to like, oh, this evil organization. Yeah. But the, what's weird about in the movie is like, they still play that card of like, well, we'll just kill you and find somebody else to sign it. Yeah. I'm like, well, what was the point so of, what was the whole point of, of it, yeah. like doing this whole elaborate, like getting him into the power? Show, the show quantum means business. Yeah. I mean, no, it just really it doesn't really help. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it should, but that's like one of those things where it's not the worst, but it's definitely not thought through. No. Um, I'm trying to think of other things in this movie. I want to. Okay, I'm gonna they, talk. I want to talk about something that really I notice. What? And that's the editing in this movie. Oh. There's some very again, rush movie type of editing things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's that first foot chase. Yeah. Which features two very iconic Craig moments. That there's that first first chase where he's chasing this guy throughout like this you know this kind of you know uh, cities chasing him over rooftops and there's two very iconic Craig moments here. There's the moment where Craig and this guy fall off the roof and go through like the construction of like this art gallery and it's like very famous like kind of that little oh they fall through like the scaffolding scaffolding and, scaffolding. Yeah, yeah. and then mm-hmm. the other moment is when they're on the ropes. And you know Bond's yeah, try- fun. trying to trying to grab his gum, and there's that iconic shot where Bond like shoots up and he yeah. like, gets mm-hmm. it. The thing, the even re- I remember that. Yeah. Like when that happened, I was like, oh yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So I think the reason these two moments stand out from that action sequence is that these are like those are like the only two edits that last more than like three seconds. Yeah. Because that whole action sequence is like edit, 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 and it is like it's an, it's there's some cool stuff that happens, but it's so hard to follow a little bit because it's just like you're cutting. You know, you're cutting Craig. Craig's running across like a scaffolding, and you cut to him in three different angles. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, do it's you want very boring supremacy? Yeah, yeah. It, I actually have I to mean, be this. On- this, I, this I, another fact: this movie was edited in five weeks. Yeah, so it's just, I, yeah, you can I mean, tell. maybe it's because of just like the set piecey nature of it, where it didn't quite bump for me. It's just, as much as as uh, as much as I thought it would, I just think but maybe it's definitely a lot of edits. It, it, it's I think it's just because for me it's just like it's so distinctly different than what the other Bond movies do. Sure, sure. And and it's not that that's a problem. It's just that I just don't think it's as effective as a lot of those other action sequences in the other Bond films. Is because you just lose a little bit of that impact mm-hmm. uh, when you when you kind of don't have those moments to linger. And again, it's just sure. like when I want we were, we were kind of talking about it how there's not that much dialogue scenes. There's not that many just moments of. Just just kind of 
to linger on yeah. these things. And I feel like the action sequences, like they were most effective when they lingered. Even like that that free fall on the plane sequence, it just had a little bit less of that editing, and it, that just to me stands out a little bit more. Um, what do you think of Olga? I liked her, but like there again, it was one of those things where. They give her this whole revenge plot that the dictator person killed her family. Yeah. And she got burned too. And right? she got burned. Yeah. yeah. I will say this though. I did find this to be something that I'm not thrilled with and I'm kind of not looking forward to going further into the Craig movies is that they do do the revenge thing, but it, it's kind of like they frame it at, well, cause I guess they killed the whole family. Yes. But he, she keeps bringing up like, oh, my father, and yeah. like, so they kind of still like play that like, my paternal figure got killed. So you're my I, new paternal figure. Yeah, I don't. I I think that they don't go that far. But yeah, no, I don't. Think yeah, that. but it is a little bit of like that the loss of the paternal figure uh, incites the motivation of this character. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know. I mean, because, like, we kind of... I mean, not so much Inspector, but they do that... No, they do do that Inspector, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not so much in uh, Quantum. Not, what, what's the fucking next one? Skyfall. Skyfall, thank you. <laughs> well, they do it... I mean, they do it the, a little bit of the opposite. Yeah, yeah, but they do, so... They do a more of a, I don't know, like, like... They do the maternal figure thing in that The movie. more... Yeah, I guess, like, the more that I think about it, like, it, it's not as bad, but there was something about it that just, like didn't sit well with me it, it just it, that just bumped for me i'm like yeah. eh, like this is well, the not Craig, as interesting the Craig movies as movies really go in on the damaged woman type of deal that's i think what it is like because it, like i mean we've definitely had like kind of oh damaged or like these these women with tragic pasts right like we had like uh meaning melina havelock in, yeah you know for your eyes only you know we've had stuff like that but like I feel like the thing is that the Craig movies do it all, especially when we get into the Sam Mende- Sam Mendes broken women fetish, yeah. which we'll talk about in the next couple movies. Um, but no, I think, but no, but that's a good point, and I think it's one of the reasons where maybe I would give like Vesper a little bit more of the credit than I may have is because that they, it is what they do in, in yeah. these next three movies. It's like that these are three broken women, and that's how. Like I mean, they do give the agency over this one though. Yeah. Like I mean, she does. She gets to kill the guy, yeah. so it's not. Again, I'm not like flagging it as the worst of what they've done with Bond girls, but there was just something about the motivation that I was. Kinda, I mean, like, because like, honestly, during her whole speech, I was just like, I get it. Like, mm-hmm. she, her family got killed, and she can't take it anymore, and she wants revenge. Like, I, yeah. I understand. And then, like, because because even like they have a little bit like the the little moment again, little moments of this movie kind of work because like even the moment where Craig's giving her that little speech in the desert about like, you're, 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 this kills personal, so just go for it type of deal. Yeah. I liked it. I liked that little moment. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, and uh, so on that same token, let's talk a, I, I, let's talk a little bit more about um, the performance of Mr. Green in this movie um, as oh, a villain. Uh, he's, fine, he's fine. He's whatever. Yeah, he's a fine villain. Yeah, it's just like, it, it, he's just a guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I mean, it's just like he's the guy. He's the, he is the Bond villain of this movie. There's nothing to me unique or very that interesting about him. No, um, he's an environmentalist, though. Yeah, but it's just I don't know. Like that, this was one of those. And when where was it's the like, last time we had an environmentalist? You know, actually, Nick, I'm I'm completely I'm on board now. Like I'm all <laughs> turned around on this. I yeah. love I love Mr. Green. Uh, yeah, I don't really have too much to say. No, about I, I mean that, that's, but that's really the whole thing about this movie. I mean, they, like, here, here's, I, here's somebody I'll talk about. They really whiffed on Jeffrey Wright 
in these movies as mm. Felix Leiter. Yeah, like, they really they, waste his potential. They did. And I'm not one to be like, you waste an actor. But it's more like they have him there. And he, he even as just from a character and a story point of view, he really doesn't do anything. Not in this movie especially. And then they try to pull the, he gets promoted and Bond's like, at least the right person got the job. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, uh, what do you mean? Because well, cool. Jeff, just David Harbour. Yeah. Was a dick. No, I get that. I'm just saying. He was. A d- that, he had a mustache. Yeah, that's true. That's how you knew he was a dick. You know, he was a dick. He was. A, that's how you knew he was a mustache and he was a little bit fat. Yeah, that's, he's like the evil. He's the quote. He's not the quote typical. The the prototypical evil American. Yeah, you know they wanted uh, the Hoff for that, right? First, they probably wanted David Hasselhoff. No, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> Hasselhoff is German, you yeah. fool. <laughs> no, um, Philip Seymour Hoffman would have killed that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, it was just, yeah, I mean. I just don't, yeah, I just don't have anything. I mean, it's also sad, like, when you can, can when we know for a fact that Wright had a bigger role and it was just cut down as, as Craig and Forrester did, did more with the script. Yeah. It just seems like you could have done more with, with the lighter character. I mean, like, to, to be honest. You know, Leiter doesn't appear in these next two Craig movies, yeah. and like, God knows if we're gonna get a Felix Leiter in. And I just, I just felt like that they did give him a little bit more of a character in Casino Royale. Like, yeah, I felt I, like there was a little bit for, of this, for, like, for the little he was in that movie, I liked again that relationship that they had, and you could have really built on that as like Bond is an ally, because especially when you get like when you get to those earlier Felix movies. Where he has those bigger roles, yeah. Like there are there are times in those movies where, like, even where even with the weird castings, you get that sense of like you could have really played with again this being the origins movie. Well, I really like that banter because even that little small moment that they have, as you mentioned, that scene that ends before it even begins. There are there is a little bit of like their relationship there. But I I just felt in the last movie that they they at least in the short amount of time that they paint this character as basically the coolest suave version you can get of like a corporate guy. Yeah. Like that he's like, you know, you know, he probably goes back not that he has a desk job, but you know, he kind of has that like, oh, thanks, brother man. Like he's like kind of like that kind of thing. And it was like interesting to like that I think back to that scene when Bond is gonna go up and um, uh, like kill the sheaf or like stab him or whatever. Yeah. They're attack him with a knife, and then like Jeffrey Wright comes or Lighter comes up and like stops him, and just that little kind and, like, of like we're gonna pay for you. And stuff yeah, like that. and and then he was just like and kind of like playing into that like we're American, we can do whatever we want. Like kind yeah. of like the bearable version of what um the uh what the guy from the Brosnan movies yeah. uh, was uh, like the Jack Wade character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's kind of like how I felt about him, and then here he's just kind of like quiet and like like brooding, right? Because he because he's basically like his whole thing in this movie is that he does not agree with, you know, Harbor, you know, being like, oh, we're just gonna, you know, we're gonna instill this new dictator, and right, right, right? Like he's like, you know, we're working for the bad guys, and then you know. You know, David Harbour's like, well, sometimes, you know, we're all bad guys in our yeah, own well, way. What are we, some kind of suicide squad? Also a movie starring David Harbour. He's in that movie? <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> He's in the boardroom of all, like, the military people when they're what talking. Is, what is this talking? guy's career? <laughs> I did not, like, when you said, oh, it's David Harbour, I had to look this guy up. I was like, I had, I had no idea. Like, I guess I knew, like, oh, I guess he's the new Hellboy. But yeah, I was like, yeah. I like again, Stranger Things was the first thing that popped up. And I was yeah. like, oh, you know what? I'm going to look up his top four. Yeah, I was going to say. 
<laughs> What's his top part? We can't play it, but just like say what his top okay, part is. Okay, keep talking about uh, Jeffrey Wright. Uh, but yeah, I mean that. I just kind of thought that they had really whiffed, on, especially because you have this opportunity to really reinvent this character. You know, this kind of character who is kind of a mainstay of the franchise, mm-hmm. but. Like I, I just think that it was it was a big missed opportunity. You know, it, it really was, yeah, especially because yeah. again, th- I think like there there are times where the lighter character I really like the lighter character, and there yeah. are times where they really wasted the potential. And I felt like if you were going to modernize the franchise, you could have really made because because lighter was always lighter has always been someone you just place in to be a you know the ally, like you know. Unless you're doing something like License to Kill, which is like his biggest probably role right. prior to this. Well, I mean, we've always said the Jack Wade character should have just been Felix Leiter. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, but I, but even like when you go all the way back to like I like that kind of early Leiter, like how he just he always just a friendly aide in you know Goldeneye or not yeah. Goldeneye, um, uh, Goldfinger, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Or or just like kind of the weird relationship they have in Live and Let Die, where it's like you know just like oh you yeah. what happened to you, James? You know yeah. that sort of thing. All right, what's his what's David Harbour? Right, David Harbour's top four on IMDb. Yeah, okay. Suicide Squad. Yeah. Rev- Str- Stranger Things must be on there. No. Really? No, it's not. Okay, what's on there? Uh, So Suicide Squad. Yeah. Uh, Revolutionary Road. Okay. Uh, A Walk Among the Tombstones. Okay. And The Green Hornet. I would have, have guessed these. By the way, if you guys want a fun game, do top four on IMDb. Look up on your phone on the IMDb app an actor, and it usually will have their top four movies rated we still don't know how but they're yeah. always rated somehow but it's the top four and you have to guess the other people in the, your group have to guess what their top four are. It's, it's an awesome game it's an awesome it's game fun. and so much fun you um, would have not guessed you no, would have only gotten you would have only gotten suicide uh, I, I do want to say this because we got to start wrapping up but the ending i've said this many times the ending of this movie is what shines as like oh like what like it, it just starts falling apart mm-hmm. because like, now you're up to date with what's going on, but now you're starting to realize, like, well, wait a minute, what does this have to do with the Bond revenge thing? And, like, and you realize, like, well, wait, what have we been doing with Bond this whole time Did as a you, character? Yeah, yeah, you, Nothing. When you, to, when you get to that third act, you realize that the, the stakes are, min- like, the stakes feel minimal. That you're you're getting to this desert, they're infiltrating, you know, this hotel that they're doing this meeting at. Yeah. You know, we're we're getting to the element of fire. Yeah. And our four elements, we're getting to the fire element. There's and, also sorry, go ahead. And you're just like you're sitting there and you're like, Well, what is the point? Yeah. Like what are we going to gain out of this? Because it's not like again, and if we were to get more information on our Spectre Quantum, whatever it was, that's the case. But even then, like getting to the end of that third act when you know he drops off green in the desert with the oil can and like they don't even reveal like what he knows is like i've told you everything i know about quantum you know it's not like we get that satisfying like who are you working you know we don't right. get that moment well, it's, it's just because, like it's just, like, it's just kind of that happens i think the the whole now it's solidified that he's going to control the water and that now he is basically green is duping this guy like this military like this guy that they're going to put in charge um that they're duping him i guess like they're thinking like that's how the stakes are high enough but but again there's like but then also but that guy is a bad guy and then they do also a very weird so you know he's a bad guy that he's about to rape somebody yeah yeah which i yeah. didn't i did not appreciate that no, just like, i was like this like, is very unnecessary he's like ah oh, like fuck it i just got i just got duped 
I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was like, when that happened, like, and I remembered that part of the movie. I was just like, this is a very well, unnecessary thing, thing. I think the thing is too is that there is no, there's never any indication of what that direct consequence is going to be for right. them failing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because if he fails, if Bond were to fail. The most that you know is that, oh, we're just doubling your water price. Yeah. You know, it's not like, again, it's not like the money's being funded in the something. Well, no, I, no I, will, I, I will push back against that a little bit because I do think that the implication being is that this whatever, like quantum or whatever this organization is, is there, is through that going to essentially control this guy. Yeah. So I, I will well, say that. Like, I, I okay. understood that I, I Fair enough, it. but it's also just like what specifically about that will benefit yeah. you? What about, what will controlling this like essentially third world, you know, yeah. South American country... Let's just, but let's just is call like, it what it is. It's just not, in, it's just not done in an engaging, exciting way. No, but, but again, way. but that's what I'm saying is it's yeah. like there's no, there's no stakes. There's nothing for you to really get into because again, even the personal stuff isn't doubled down on enough for you to be like, okay, well, I care about Bond getting his revenge, or I, I care about, um, you know, this woman killing the dictator. Like, there's nothing that really gets you into that. That's third. actually a very good point to make, though, because there is an element of like, well, it's not like Green is the guy that killed Vesper. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like, well, other than like, this is just the movie, and then like, this is the mission. Yeah. Like, there's no like, you're going to be satisfied. You're right. Like, they're never... What is the point of satisfaction? And whatever it is, they don't give it to you. No, they don't. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's not even like... Because it's not even like, oh, I'm going to find Mr. White again and finally kill him. You know what I mean? Right. Because he just... He's in that... Uh, so there's this point in the movie, too, where the thing about the opera, where Bond, you know, he steals someone's earpiece, and yeah. basically Quantum is having this secret meeting in the middle of this opera. Which, right. again, also a kind of cool idea. I kind of really liked how that kind of went down. And that's the last time you see Mr. White, because Mr. White's at the meeting, and he's like, you know, when everybody... he Bond reveals himself, he's taking the pictures of all these guys. Um, and he's like, you know, and then Mr. White's just like, well, I guess, you know, uh, not everybody likes the opera, because everybody who's in the Quantum is leaving. And you th- you would think that, like, oh, maybe they finally, like, we'll wrap that up at the end of the movie and he finally gets to kill Mr. White or he finally gets his revenge on Mr. White. And it, it doesn't, it doesn't happen. Well, cause there's, it's brought up a couple times where M is, I do kind of like this, the M bond relationship because yeah. I think M is kind of laying down the law, but she also does like, you know, well, he we, got away, just yeah. let him go. Like, it's like, right. One he's of those, like, he's yeah. kind of like, well, like he keeps killing everybody. You know, he keeps killing all the, all the contacts that they could have him. And so she's basically like, well, you shouldn't keep killing everybody. But then he, she's like, Kind of also defending him and being like, well, he, you know, he kind of knows what he's doing. Like he's he knows more than right. we do. But see, but that's but again, that's another thing where that doesn't work though, because then they do this whole thing where they keep on bringing up this like, you got to stop letting revenge yeah. like get like you know d- distract you. But I'm like, is that really what's going on in this movie though? No. Like so, it's like I mean, it's all summarized in the final scene of this movie when he's like, we need you back, James, and he's like. I never left. Then what was the point of the movie? <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah, it's you're trying to do like again that tip off of the end where he's like, you know, he never left. Like, because in the last movie he did leave and then right. he came back. But like this one, he's just like, I never left. It's like I, I know I'm important. Before we move on to the aftermath, yeah, I do yeah. want one more thing from you. Can you talk about your thoughts on the technology of M's office? Oh god. <laughs> 
I'm glad you reminded me of this. So I don't know what it is. So at one point they have like a dollar bill, yeah. right? And in order to track its like history or like it, it's like you know where what bank it comes from or like where it was printed, they basically put it on a table. Like, a, essentially, like, an Iron Man table, and then, like, all the information is just, like, pops up on the screen about it, and, like, maps and other, like, printings of the dollar bill, and, like, all the stats of where it came from. And the picture and, of this and it's guy. Like, and it's basically, like, Minority Report just on a table, and for some reason, Nick, I just, I couldn't, I, like, I'm like, I, I it was too much. I don't know why. I don't know why when the Bond movies do this, I can't handle it. But like I said, like if this was in a Mission Impossible movie, like I, like I wouldn't bat an eye. But there's just some reason where it always just feels like that seems ridiculous. I didn't quite mind the holographic wall as much. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of seemed like, well, it's like that's just a big TV. But I don't know why. Like the You know what it seemed like? The thing is like it was just here, – here's what it was. That table was just so elaborate. Like, it was like they put the dollar bill on the table, and essentially all the information came up. Yeah. Like, everything you could ever know about this dollar bill just pops up. Yeah. Like, like ads on a computer. Like, and it was just, it was too much. And that would also be, by the way, a really good Austin Powers parody scene where, like, they put, like, something like that, but yeah. then it gives them too much information. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, at least Iron Man has to kind of, like, at least Tony Stark has to like do things with his hands and like yeah. throws like a hologram into the other hologram yeah. and then it creates a super hologram and then he's like that's how I know where the Mandarin is. At least like he has to do a few at least there's an interface to it. <laughs> um uh so yeah, I mean final words on Quantum of Solace. I mean I kind of like ended on like more of an elab- on a hyperbolic note. But I have to be honest like it like it was fine. Uh, I thought like like its action was adequate, um, and I but it it didn't test my patience. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's, I know it's, that's like a really low like, th- like backhanded. I bar do f- I did find it. that yeah. this movie was hard to talk about. Like yeah. it, to me, it was like hard because there was this. Oh, I didn't find it was hard to talk about at all because it, it's like well, it's I just very felt like you know its problems. I, I I think it's very specific in its problems. I do agree, and I yeah. think like my points I made that I had some issues with and things I liked that I had my points, but I just felt like it was hard to just kind of talk about as like kind of a whole structure, right? Like it's just usually we kind of go like here's the plot, here's the beat for beats, and like here's the different things. Whereas here, it's like I just felt like there's not much to talk about out of the out of the things that we talked about. Like mm-hmm. there are other things that happened in this movie. But they're really not like they're just kind of there. They're just kind of you know. Yeah. In, but I will say this was not an awful watch. No, no, this, not if, at all. If you put this on, you would probably have a decent time just watching it. It's a good uh, doing your chores on a weekend movie. It, that is actually very true. It's yeah. a good just kind of background little watch. Yeah. Um, it's not awful. And honestly, if this was if you were just looking for something random to rewatch. Like just again, when you were doing work, I would not like fault you for just putting this on. It's like, one of it's, it's one of the best uh, James Bond movies for FX. Yeah, that's FX a, that's is the movie. That should be your like uh, Rotten Tomatoes review. Yeah. Um. If but you, you know, but of course, we need to talk about who's Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford in this movie. Do they ever show who the pilot of that plane is? That or is he flying the? They're flying the. Plane, uh, they're right? flying the plane. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it can't be. He can't be the pilot. Um, hmm. What's a good What's a good role for Harrison Ford? <laughs> oh, we didn't. We did kind of forget to mention ah. that Bond kicks a dude off of his motorcycle. That's pretty awesome. 
What? I'm so sorry. I'm I'm still I'm thinking about how like maybe like Felix Slider is like promoted by Jack Ryan. Like that's who makes the decision because Jack Ryan's like a straight shooter and he's like, You you were gonna make this deal with the Bolivians <laughs> and this guy this guy didn't want to do it. Yeah. You're the new Well, he of- basically does his um what movie does he do then is it Patriot Games? Uh what the what the you you broke the law. You broke the law. No, that's he, that's he, a clear and present danger. He does that to uh David Harbour. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, You broke the law. Maybe we we should do one of the like as one of our bonus bone bon Bond bonus ones. We should do one of the Harrison Ford Jack Ryan's. Oh, we're definitely gonna do that. I think okay. I think we're gonna do. We clear- still suggest watching all those Jack Ryan movies. By the way, <laughs> they're all they're all they're all different levels of fun. fun. Yeah, I think we we might do Clear and Present Danger as a review on this podcast. Yeah. Um. All right. So the aftermath. The aftermath. All right. So again, let's go back to quickly with Casino Royale. Casino Royale was you know like ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, highest grossing Bond movie of all time. Yeah. How did Quantum of Solace compare? Mm-hmm. Well audiences came out in droves to see quantum of solace oh sure and sort of quantum of solace became the new highest grossing bond movie yeah uh, up to that point with a total uh worldwide total of 586 million dollars uh audiences did respond to it came out oh so that was total gross that was total gross oh so it was successful it was very successful like i said it was the it grossed more than casino royale became the highest grossing bond movie well, up to I that mean, point but if you i mean if you look at it it's not it's Again, like we said, it's not terrible. And if you're like kind of looking for Bond action stuff, I mean, it's it's not the worst. Like I'm not that baffled that it did well, and it's coming off of the goodwill of a movie that everybody loved. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I can see uh, that. So so for very successful audiences wise, uh, it had a big opening November. Uh, at that time, it broke the UK opening weekend record of. Um, Goblet of Fire, mm-hmm. and it, it tied in the U.S. for The Incredibles for the highest grossing November, um, which would, again, eventually be... Both of those records would eventually continue to be broken, but for the time, very successful. Um, critically, it was uh, less well-reviewed yes. um, than Casino Royale, but still mostly positive <coughs> to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the Rotten Tomatoes world, it was 65%, um, and critics... The general thought process was that every most people prefer, preferred Casino Royale, uh, but they did still like Craig's performances and thought some of the action really stood out in this movie. Yeah. Um, just a couple... I do distinctly remember, though, like over a very short amount of time, it was not looked at favorably, though. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I do remember... I think, that it, I think it has dipped down yeah. since then. And I think it was more so... You know, even at the time, I think it was more so because everybody was so jazzed about Casino Royale and how amazing that was. Mm-hmm. So it was just very jarring how, like, even with it being mixed reactions, it was just like, ooh, yeah, people did not... Uh, or at least critically, uh, was not as well-received. Yeah, uh, there are a couple of reviews I have. Um, I'm sorry, I just noticed this. I'm I'm still on the Wikipedia. I'm like going through the reviews. Uh, Roger Moore did not like the editing of this movie. <laughs> he said that there's uh, Craig was a damn good Bond, but the film as a whole there was just too much flash cutting, and it just was a commercial for the action. Um, what? <laughs> What's a commercial for action? Uh, sorry, a commercial of the action. I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Um, well, it is a commercial. There didn't film. seem to be any geography, and you were wondering what the hell was going on. So he didn't. He didn't. Follow. I didn't think it was that edited, that poorly edited. I mean, it wasn't amazingly edited, but I didn't think it was like. Mm, I didn't like think, they couldn't follow it. Mm, it was like Bohemian Rhapsody levels of editing. <laughs> so best best editing worthy. No, no, no. If you ever want to see the worst editing, it's that clip from Taken Three. 
Have you seen that clip? Yes. Oh God, that's the worst editing <laughs> ever. Look uh, it up. Look it up, folks. Uh, the, some t- the Sunday Times reviewer said, "Following Casino Royale was never going to be easy, but director Mark Forrester had brought the brand's successful relaunch crashing back to earth with a yawn. Mm. Uh, the f- the screenplay is incomprehensible. The casting is a mess." And Bond has been stripped of his iconic status. Why do you why call out the casting? Uh, but The Guardian gave it a positive review. Uh, gave it four stars. So basically, yeah. Just up and down. Yeah. Uh, the movie is one of those things where the legacy of it is that it does reflect itself as the worst of the Craig movies. And that kind of initial Casino Royale post, like, it's still kind of good. It You do feel that falter uh, later. Especially after Skyfall. There's a lot of... of backward not backwards um you know post humorous what's the word i'm looking for i don't i don't know what you're trying to say they're basically like they're post skyfall there's a lot of reviews of quantum that that take it down even more of a peg than it already was oh like retroactive reviews Re- that's what the word i was looking yeah, yeah, for yeah, retroactive yeah. reviews <laughs> i didn't know what you were trying to say so basically yeah. like, like but it's just like at the time yeah still it's still not casino royale but hey you know, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. And then, and over time, the opinion has deteriorated. Yeah. But I do think it's like, again, I don't think you're going to really, when you, if you were to rewatch this movie, yeah. it's not as if you're going to completely shift your opinion, but it's not awful. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Cool. Uh, so is that, that it for Quantum that of Solace? That is it for Quantum of Solace. Well, all right. I, I enjoyed talking about it. Yeah. It was a fun time. Yeah. Another good podcast that most people will listen to. I do. I am. <laughs> I am, uh, though, I am very much looking forward to our next episode. Yes, yeah, so our Bond. next Bond episode. This is, this is definitely a movie I'm enjoying. Uh, I, this is I, I will the be, next, actually, the next Bond movie is a Bond movie I can watch whenever. I, I really like I the next one. I will be very interested to see what I think of this one. Yeah. Um, we are going to get into when I really got back into Bond, which is actually part of it I'm most excited to talk about, is just how this movie really really rekindled my love for the Bond franchise. Mm-hmm. And the movie is going to be from 2012, Skyfall. Let the sky fall. Oh, that was it. That's all I had. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's there's things to talk about in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, he takes a shower at one point. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, don't worry. I like the movie. <laughs> we'll talk about that the is, shower. That, there, there's a, there is one point that will be eviscerated <laughs> by me. But uh, but that but we'll have to wait a little bit because next time is not a uh, Bond movie. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just think that I don't know why I was really pointful about the shower. Huh? That point just stands out. I don't know why. Because it's awful. <laughs> like no, you're you're not wrong for I'm pointing that out. Just imagining the profile picture for the episode just being Bond in the shower. No, no, no. No, no, it's not going to happen. Yeah. But I'm just imagining it again. We're we'll we'll talk about. I'm it. I'm not going to post a shower pic to social media. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Wait, like a bun, or of like, or of like me, <laughs> either one. <laughs> but we have a Godzilla next time. We have a Godzilla next time. Uh, and Nick, uh, next time, we will be entering the end, the final chapter of the Heisei series. And we'll be reflecting on the end of an era. We'll be not only reflecting on the end of an era, but you know, better wear all black, Nick, because we will also be talking about the death. Of our beloved icon and the the uh, the fall of a king, as it were, as we talk about Godzilla's final stand in Godzilla versus Destoroya. See, I don't know if I believe you mm. that Godzilla dies because mm. when Godzilla truly died off in the 
in the Roland Emmerich movie, and we haven't gotten to that one yet. Yeah, he yeah. was that was that was officially the burial. Yeah, that no, that's when they yeah that that's that when, was really that's like, when they kicked the grave. Yeah, no, that's when they, no, that's when they like they like dug up the grave <laughs> and, did, and continued shanking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he, he can't get but he, he could be more dead. <laughs> and again, just to be clear, it's not destroyer; it's yeah. destroyer, destroyer, destroyer. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, this is a very important one to me in many ways. As you talking about uh, how Skyfall was you getting uh, really back into Bond heavy. This this uh, Godzilla versus Destroy is a big uh, uh, it's a big important uh, entry in the uh, in the series for mm-hmm. me as a Godzilla fan. So I can't wait to talk about that uh, in, in our next episode. Uh, but until that, uh, I'm done. Uh, you're done. We're done. We're all done. We're done. All right. Let's talk about the plugs that we have. Yes. Here. The plugs. The here. plugs. Plug them in. Okay. Plug it in. Plug it no, in. No, I, I just got to place the plugs on the table. Yeah. Place them right there. Yeah. Well, you got to read them too. Okay. You have to say well, no, what the plugs are. Yeah, this but, is an audio. Uh, this is an, you know, aural with an A. With an A and Oh, a you U. mean that like I just put them on the table and they don't just appear in front of our audience? No, no. It's not like oh. it's not like a Ready Player One situation. It's not no, like it's everybody not, It's not like we're in M's see. office or anything like no, that. No, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, here are the plugs. You got, we got a Twitter account. Yes. We'll start with the Twitter account. It's uh, twitter.com slash bonzilla007. Mm-hmm. We got a Facebook account. Uh, Facebook.com slash bonzilla007. We do have an email account. Yeah. It's at, G- yeah, it's at <laughs> bonzillapod at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes, soundcloud.com slash Bonzilla007. You can like and subscribe. You know, we do also come out with Godzilla episodes. <laughs> you can listen to those as well. No, those episodes do... Hey, like, our our most listened to episode is the King Kong versus Godzilla episode. Yeah. Now, how much of that was actually people listening? I don't know. But it is our <laughs> most listened to episode. And also, if you want to get on that email account, the question of what the energy from Space Jam was called... If it's you remember still, from the last movie, yeah. or from the last episode, the stuff that they they absorb out of the basketball, yeah, and that they and stole from the NBA players. And listen, what is that stuff called? It's not as if we're gonna watch that movie. I will. I listen. I'll watch the movie, but I actually want to see if anybody will will yeah. will, will tune in and, and tell us. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, Nick. Well, until next time. Uh, it, you know, I, I. Yeah. That certainly was an episode that was done on the fly. Yeah. Bye, folks. <laughs>